I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on Hip Hop's Business Moves. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Lisa Evers. And you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both Hot 97 Radio, Fox 5 TV, free of charge, on my website, lisaevers.com. And you can also subscribe to the Street Soldiers podcast on iTunes. We also have it up on SoundCloud. Now, in this episode, we're talking about Hip Hop's Business Moves. Many people have big dreams of hip-hop stardom, but even if you make it to the top, that is no guarantee that your money problems are over. That's why the sharpest minds in hip-hop are diversifying their businesses to keep that cash flowing in. And we've got some of them right here with us in the studio to help you understand just how to do that yourself. Joining me is Deborah Harris. She's the CEO and founder of Hush Hip Hop Tours. She's originally from the Bronx. Deborah, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also joining us is Yandy Smith Harris. She's the entrepreneur and owner of Yell Skincare and many other businesses. She's a media mogul and star of Love and Hip Hop New York. And she's also an activist. Yandy, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Danny Sue. He's the CEO of RGF Productions and AMG. He's Fetty Wap's manager, and he's the owner of AMG Real Estate. Danny, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Thank you so much. Yandy, I want to start with you on this, because many people came to know you as the star, one of the biggest stars and originators of Love and Hip Hop New York. With that kind of success, mm -hmm. why did you feel it was so important to start all of these other businesses that you did? You know, I started in the uh, music industry well before Love & Hip Hop. I um, actually started as an intern in, I think it was like 2003 or 2002, um, with Mona Scott Young and Chris Lighty. And even there, being an intern, working with 50, Busta, Missy Elliott, Tweet, all the big stars, I realized that they weren't just music artists. You know, they had endorsement deals. They were ambassadors of different brands. And I noticed early on that, you know, some of these careers, they came and they went. Um, so when I decided to branch off and start my own management company, I realized music management was not going to be enough. God forbid one of my talent decided they didn't want to perform anymore. So that's when, you know, I got a job at Atlantic Records. That's when I decided I wanted to get into TV and, um, you know, started the conversation that later on became Love and Hip Hop because I really realized to be a millionaire, a successful, comfortable one, you have to have several streams of income. And that's where it started. And now I created a skincare line um, because I felt like I wanted to make money when I sleep. I want to hear the cha-ching from my <laughs> Shopify <laughs> app as you I'm want sleeping. <laughs> I want that to wake me up at night. That's so right. when I hear that cha-ching, I'm like, oh, there we go again. It is. Um, yes, that is where that skincare line came from. That's where the skincare. <laughs> all right, we're going to talk more about those businesses. Sure. Danny Sue, you you are the manager of one of the most successful hip hop acts ever, with the top selling records, all kinds of, you know, record sales records that you've made, and broken it from the past. Why did you feel the need to diversify and and now become a force in real estate? Because when you diversify, you kind of you set your future up rather than just today. Mm -hmm. A lot of times in music and hip-hop, a lot of artists spend a lot of money on jewelry, cars, stuff that's just not going to be worth anything later. You know what I mean? So you had to, so I had to diversify. I had to show my artists how to diversify. That's why I got back into real estate. I was always into real estate years ago, but this time I did it aggressively. Mm. And, with, and with a plan and with a whole strategy. Yes, it was, a, it was a whole strategy, a whole new team, everything. It's like your network. Your network determine your net worth. So once I had to go back to look at how I'm going to do this, 
I looked at how I was going to build my team. You know, I got the strongest pieces I needed to put on the team, and then we just launched, and it just took off. And there, and there it is. Deborah, tell us about how you came about with this idea of Hush Hip Hop Tours and explain to people what it is. Yes, um, Hush Hip Hop Tours is a sightseeing company that's based on the culture of hip hop. We designed the business just so that we could preserve and celebrate New York City as the birthplace. Mm -hmm. I am a licensed sightseeing tour guide, but from day one, I always wanted the pioneers to be the, the host. Um, so we have Curtis Blow, Grandmaster Kaz, um, Sadat X, you know. So when you're coming into a city like New York, which is the mecca of entertainment, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, there has to be some way that you can really just get the real essence of hip-hop culture. And once I realized it didn't exist, I was on a mission to to start that business, and that's what I've done. Mm -hmm. And what, what did you, what motivated you? Because you obviously love the culture. Yes, you know, being born and raised in the Bronx, you know, hip-hop was happening all around me as I was coming of age. Then I became a mother, and, you know, my children are into the culture and into the music. Um, but then I also saw a shift uh, as far as, like, you know, where the media was going with music, with artists right. and recording. Uh, so I just also thought that this would be a good platform for some of the founding fathers to mm -hmm. tell their stories firsthand. Oh. And, you know, for some people, it's like going to Graceland if you're an Elvis Presley fan, Get, getting on the bus and spending a couple of hours with a legend of hip-hop culture. You know, they, you can't top that. Mm. And people really appreciate they it. They really do. And what kind of response have you been getting? Because it's, it's growing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've been doing this for 17 years. June wow. will be wow. 17 years. Wow. So, you know, I, I actually had, it sounds like a long time, but I really had to create the industry because hip-hop and tourism didn't, you know, there was no correlation there. And tourism is big business in New York City. Across Huge. The, across the globe, but right. really New York is the mecca of entertainment. So people save their money just to come here once it's like a once-in-a-lifetime trip for many people, especially international. So, you know, with all of the e effort that went into building it and, and, and getting people to trust what, we, what I was doing over here, you know, that took about it six took or long, seven years. And to convince them that there was a market for it, and too, And that I'm it sure. was safe, you know, because I take them, you know, I'm taking them in the hood, you know. I'm <laughs> right. taking them in places that they want to go, but they also want to feel safe. Like right, any exactly. Traveler, any, anybody traveling. Yeah. Andy, in terms of the, in terms of, as you, you looked at diversity and diversifying really early, what do you see as you look around at the music industry now? Do you see like this is automatically part of every artist's plan? Um, I think a lot of these artists are not planning for the future. I think that um, they become famous, it seems like, even younger. And they are not getting the proper education as far as business and how to handle business. So a lot of the times, like Danny said, they go out and they get their first advance check and they spend it on a new chain. They spend it on the new car. They got the latest Bentley. But they don't own their home. No. You know, they're renting. Yeah. They go out and they buy all these fancy things, but they don't have a business that can sustain them after the music fails and they're not, you know, wanting to go on tour and shake it like it's hot or whatever. You know, and I think that that comes with education. And um, I, I feel like in, in these labels and, and, you know, these big people that are creating these stars, a part of that should be teaching them how to manage their money, teaching them how to diversify their platform so that you don't have a liability on your hands when the ship stops and the money isn't coming in. And now these artists are more of a liability because, you know, they're dead broke and crying to the label. Right, and, and ready to do anything and, and maybe even compromise their 
art, you know, their artistry. Absolutely. We see it so much. You know, even some of the artists from back in the day, I'm sure you see it. A lot of them are struggling because they just weren't taught how to use the money that you have right now and plan for your future, whether it's investments, whether it's creating a company or investing in something that's a, a new industry. You know, and I think that um, I just wish that a lot of these artists in hip hop would be educated on diversifying their, plat their, their platform while they have the money to do it. All right, we're going to continue talking about this. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Sierra, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, baby, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about hip hop's business moves, and we have an amazing panel for you. Joining me is Deborah Harris. She's the CEO and founder of Hush Hip Hop Tours. She's originally from the Bronx. Deborah, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Yandy Smith Harris. She's an entrepreneur and owner of many businesses, including Yale Skincare. She's a media mogul and star and one of the original creators of Love and Hip Hop New York. She's also a well-known activist. Yandy, great to have you with us. I'm glad to be here, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Danny Sue. He's the CEO of RGF Productions and AMG. He's Fetty Wap's manager, and he's also the owner of AMG Real Estate. Danny, in terms of the, we're talking about the artist perspective, uh, Fetty got professional. You had him get professional advice and top people in the financial industry. But why do you feel real estate is so important? And, and I want to be clear, too, we're not just talking about artists. There's people that want to be affiliated with hip-hop culture, but don't want to get on a stage or that's not their thing mm -hmm. yeah, what, right. tell us tell us how you're educating about you know people about real estate and why of, you feel it's so important a lot of times when i when i talk to fetty about diversifies portfolio because a lot of people in hip-hop or music or entertainment they really don't have a 401k mm -hmm. like they can't retire when they retire they don't have anything so i put the real estate together to show him but before we put it together we went over stocks he know that too we went over real estate taught them that it's just like you let them know like if you buy a car that that car will devalue over a long period of time it'll be ending up worth nothing but a real real estate a house you know if you if i buy a house today for two hundred forty thousand, in five years that house might be worth five hundred and sixty thousand. you know what i mean so your, your money is going to stay there you can't you cannot buy any more you can't make more land right you know what i mean so right. You can make cars; they come and go every day, but you can't make. You can't more make land. more land. Yeah, so and that's why people are look, people are looking at it because it's something you can you can see and feel. Yeah. What What about in terms of in terms of, like tips and techniques and stuff, Deborah? You were at this for a long time to make this hush tours a success. Yeah. What was it like? How did you stay afloat financially as you're trying to convince people there's a market? You're not going to get robbed if you go there. This is really good. Yeah. I'm just keeping it. Yeah, you're right. Um, it, it wasn't easy because, you know, um, when you go to try to get sponsors, in my case, you know, they're looking for numbers, impressions, like, you know, and those numbers really couldn't, didn't match up with what they were, the expectations. So I decided to just fund it myself. You know, it was a family-owned and operated business, and we just kept going. And customer service is really, really important because what I find is that our customers are our best advertisement. You know, they yeah. advertise, they tell a friend, referrals, recommendations. That. And, you know, it's a commission-based industry on top of that. So I partnered with, you know, other companies like Travelocity, Viator, TripAdvisor. So they sell Hush Tours as well. 
Right, and you won an award from TripAdvisor because yeah, you had but, such great reviews. Yeah, eight years straight. We Congratulations. That is Hall awesome. Yes. I mean, some of know, those reviewers yeah. can be pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. Pretty it'll rough. make and break you, you know. And I was doing Hush Tours before that review, all of that. All the digital really, stuff. Really, you know, wasn't popping the way that it is now, but it really can ruin your business, especially if you're a hotel and it's hor a horrible and review. And you get the bad reviews. Ooh. That can do you in. So, so you, that's great that you're getting that kind of positive yeah, feedback. Yandy, in terms, there's a lot of people that want to start a hair care line or a skincare line mm -hmm. or cosmetics line or clothing line or whatever what did you learn as and tell us about the first business that you got into yeah aside so from music I started um, when I got into the beauty world it started out with um, a hairline and that was under Yale Beauty and then I realized that there was such an oversaturation of hair companies it felt like every neighbor I had every friend I had was starting a hairline <laughs> um, but I felt like I needed to find my niche. I needed to find what was going to be different about my line. You know, everyone was coming out with um, the Malaysian this, that I decided to do African texture. So I did Cape Verde and I did Egyptian. No one else was doing that. And then also I realized when I started on the show, I was having a lot of issues with my skin. I went to Sephora to get um, some, you know, skin stuff. By the time I got the eye cream, the face wash, the cleanser, the toner that I needed, my, my, my basket was $500. Right. The average woman could not afford $500 for their 30-day supply. Right. So I felt, and then I didn't see any marketing for skincare towards me. Right. Especially for not women the, of color. For women of color, right. especially not the all-natural plant-based brands. So I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create, because there's a void and there's a place in the market for this, I'm going to create a skincare line that is all-natural, plant-based, and green for the women of color, the women that has enriched melanin. Um, because we need something that's marketed to us, for us. And that is when I realized, you know, and again, like she said, it took her eight years or so to really get out there. I started this business and, you know, the first three, four, five, six months, I got one sale here and there. And I'm on a TV show talking about it. But the thing is consistency. And a big social media platform. And I have a big social media platform. I have over five million um, followers at this time. So... It was consistency, and it was standing behind my product. It was me posting reviews for the people that the one or two people that did buy it. By the time six months rolled around, and um, it was a Black Friday, I did a big Black Friday sale. Where I took twenty five percent off, and I made like my first three thousand dollars in one day. I was like, Oh my god! I didn't even have enough. I like sold out of all my product in one day. I was like, Oh my gosh, we got to reorder. We got to reorder. Um, and then you know, making sure that I. I contacted those customers. I did special things for the customers that, you know, trusted me and bought it again. Keeping them engaged, that has been really important to grow the brand. And to, to get the brand growing. Yeah. The, um, in, term, in terms of how you sell it, like how do you distribute it? Because does it go into stores? Does it, do you order it directly? How so does because I have the following that I have, um, in the beginning I was going, taking all the meetings with the ultra standards, taking the meetings with the big conglomerates like Bloomingdale's, Macy's to get it in there because I thought that would be the only way I can get to customer. But when I really started going hard with my campaign on social media, I do these fun videos in my bathroom where I'm dancing and I'm bugging out in the mirror. And with the kids and with everybody's kids. doing it. If a friend comes over, I'm like, you know what we got to do in the bathroom? Oh, you got makeup on? Come on, we got to go to my bathroom. We're going to do a Yale skincare video. <laughs> people got engaged and people started doing their dancing videos in their bathroom. Right. So now it's a thing. Like if you want to wear Yale, you got to put on your favorite song and dance in the bathroom. Um, and that has been what I think has really sold the product because it's like wash your face and have a good time doing it. And it's something that you do every day, every day. It's your fun time. And um, it's something that gets people talking. And that's a, that has been a, a really great way to push the product. And making it something that you do for yourself as a woman Absolutely. or with the kids. And, it, and it's something that I can stand behind. You know, my right. teen daughter uses it. My baby's, my, my six-year-old son uses it. And we I show them using it.
So man, that's been great. Yeah, it's for men as well. So I got to get you some, Danny. Check that we out. have to. Well, we got a bathroom right here. So if you have <laughs> any right in your now, bag, right okay, we'll get, we'll get Danny doing the wash your face. And you got to put on your favorite song and do your dance moves in the mirror, Danny. Okay? You know it'll be a Fetty song. So yeah, that's what Exactly. That's right. Danny, what in terms of the education part of it? Because, you know, Yandy was around people that had been marketing and I'm sure picked up a lot of tips Absolutely. And, and seen what worked and what didn't yeah. what didn't work. And in, t in terms of the real estate, you're conducting seminars now, too, trying to help people, especially in the in the inner city areas. In the inner city, yes. So what do you what do you tell people? Like, what's the first thing? Somebody that goes like, you know what? They're working paycheck to paycheck like most people are. They don't have a lot of money saved up. Can they even think about doing something like that? Yes. What I tell them, I tell them to come to the seminar and just listen. Bring your pen and pad, listen, take down notes. Because my mentor, which is Caesar and Envy, they both do the seminars. We all do the seminars. So they break it down step by step what you need to know as a first-time buyer, investor, anything you want to do with real estate. You're going to get that at, that at that seminar. And it's so textbook. It's just right to the point. It's no, it's no, it tell you how to deal with the banks. It tell you how to deal with the people that loan you big money. Sometimes you don't even have to come out your pocket. I did a couple of deals where I, I, I never put money out of my pocket. I got 100% financing, mm. you know, but the wow. property backed that. Yeah. I found a good property for a low price. Mm. Right. So the banks was eager to give me money on that property. Right. And then I had a rehab course. They gave me that, too. Put that in there, finished it in, what, five months? So what, but what, somebody who's starting out and what you're saying, they're just like going, I can't even imagine that. What do you say? Because you, 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 you have a tremendous amount of business experience, too. Yeah, you got to take the, you know, it come with a lot of bumps and bruises. You got to get, you know, you got to get The knowledge, you got to get the yeah. information. You have to get the information. The knowledge is key, you know, and it's not a lot of knowledge. It's just a little reading here and there. I took, when I started back again, because I, I stepped out of real estate for one second because I pursued the music again. Well, you guys, yeah, you guys had a lot going on. Yeah, we had a lot going on. So when I got back into it, I had more knowledge because when I was on the tour buses, I was reading the books. You know what I mean? I was talking to my mentor, Caesar. You know what I mean? Me and Nick the Grit, we both, that's our mentor, Caesar. That's the guy that makes it happen. So mm -hmm. follow him around step by step. Overnight, it was just like, wow. And I you saw those moves. So line yourself with somebody that you, knows you have to, like I what said, they're doing. Yes, like your network, is, that's going to be, that's going to determine your net worth. Trust mm -hmm. me. I'd right. I'm going to remember that one. That's a good We're going to tweet mm -hmm. that out. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Hey, yo, yo, yo. What up? What up? It's the infamous Mob Deep prodigy right here. You know what I mean? And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics. You know what I mean? and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about hip-hop business moves. Some of them could be just right for you. Joining me for this conversation is Deborah Harris. She's the CEO and founder of Hush Hip Hop Tours. She's originally from the Bronx. Deborah, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Yandy Smith-Harris. She's an entrepreneur and owner of many businesses, in including Yale Skincare. She's a media mogul and star and one of the original creators of Love and Hip Hop New York and an activist. Yandy, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Danny Sue. He's the CEO of RGF Productions and AMG. He's Fetty Wap's manager. He's also the owner of AMG Real Estate. Danny, great to have you with us. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Deborah, a lot of people have ideas of businesses, but the big drawback is the money and then also the time because you have a full-time job, maybe a couple of different jobs to just try to, you know, support your family and yourself and then they may not have savings how did you approach the money that you needed for hush tours 
Uh, well, I funded it myself. I took my savings and just invested in, you know, n just getting the tours, renting buses. And when I really uh, realized what was happening, I was renting buses, and sometimes the equipment was showing up and it wasn't working properly. Mm -hmm. You're doing a hip-hop tour. The sound sounds horrible. There's no uh -huh. TV. The DVD, this is back when it was CD players. Um, the DVD players weren't working properly. So I went and took a loan to get my own bus. So that's where I put most of the investment came into bus um, ownership. So you could have that bus just the way that you want it and know that it was always in proper condition. Absolutely. And that's a tough industry because transportation, you know, this would be right along the time when the Chinatown cost-effective buses started like the two-dollar buses right. and so the, it was like yeah. trying to get um, insurance for a bus like that it cost more than the bus almost so I'm like oh my goodness what did I get myself into but it was well worth it you know it was worth owning uh, my own transportation how long um, how long was it because you said you've been at this 17 years which is fantastic um, how long was it from the time you started it before you actually started to see money Oh, wow. I would say it took about seven or eight years. Wow. Seven or eight That's years. Big. Wow. Yeah. So, but you were determined. You just knew that there was... Yeah, I knew it was a market there, but also when I first started, I need to be clear, we were only doing a tour maybe once a, once a week, twice a month. Um, now I offer a tour seven days a week. So, you know, it was, it was a steady, steady and slow growth pit span, but it was worth, it's worth it. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yandy, you're talking about the ka-ching when you get the notifications from uh, the different sites that sales are, are being made. Mm -hmm. with, with the skincare line, you know, with Yelp, for example, how long was it for, like, tell, how did you actually start it? Do you sit down with people and say, this is what I want? Or yeah, you know, take, take us through that process. When I realized that there was a need for a, you know, very price savvy, um, all green skincare line, I called industry professionals. So I got with, she was the VP at Bliss Spas at the time, and she used all natural products. I reached out to her. I hired her as a consultant to come on for the brand. I, I hired someone to do the logistics to find the companies. So she told me the products, what goes into clearing all the issues that we have. Mm -hmm. And um, I found someone to find that. And then I tested. I tested my products for two years. I wasted wow. so much money. My first two lines, I had fragrances. I wanted to smell like mangoes, strawberries. Broke me out, <laughs> gave me dry skin, got a rash. So I had to keep throwing things out. Then finally, when we got, you know, then it was a problem with the moisturizer. The moisturizer was hell for me. It left me greasy, and I was like, nope, 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 nope. Finally, this when is we what we have to deal with. Yeah. When we perfected Danny, okay? the when we perfected the line, I tested it for a year. I gave it to my mom. I gave it to my girlfriends. I gave it to some other people in the industry, and I just said, "Let me know thirty days what you think." And when I got all great reviews, that's when I knew this was ready to go into production. Um, so then it went into production. So it it was about three to four years before I actually launched. And wow. um, I would say I threw a bunch of money in the garbage just because it wasn't right. It just wasn't right. Um, but when I launched, even in that, it took me six to seven months to really make like make some money um, with the platform, with the show. And I think a lot of times businesses start, but people get so frustrated and so discouraged because they don't make money immediately and they just give up. Right. Um, so if you're any future business owners out there, be consistent. Don't give up. It takes a while. For even those of us that have millions of followers, it takes time. But find a niche. Find someone that needs your product. Rock with them. Make it happen. And just stick to it. Don't give up. 
And you know what I'm hearing from both of you is that persistence yes. over a long, long period of time and also not settling for second best and staying true to your vision. Right. It's like Absolutely. you know what you want and top yeah. quality. Absolutely. Right. And Absolutely. That that's, what, that's what pays off in the end. It's a, it's a big, huge investment, but that's what it is because there's a lot of people that are just like, okay, let me do this and let me try to try yep. to get you know that going. Danny, what about in terms of your various businesses, the marketing and also music management? What are some of the business principles that uh, that you've acquired over the years you can you can give us a few secrets I Come mean on. the key to success on anything like she like Gandhi was just talking about is really consistency yeah. you know what I mean and sticking to it a lot of people I notice on the way on the way up I've seen a lot of rap artists hip-hop artists they switch teams a lot you know so no so the public don't really get to see who you really are mm. what you really doing how do your team move you know so us what we did and what I do on all my business, I stick to my team. That's why before I determine who I'm going to be friends with or who I'm going to do business with, majority of the times we be friends first and then the business comes. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, that way I understand everybody that I'm dealing with. So when we get through rough times, it's easy to survive them with friends first, you know. And what about in, term, in terms of finance as, as well, too? If you go into a bank, do you have to, like, take off the chain and put on a suit and... You know, I, I like, what that. about that? Because a lot I, I of people may it, feel intimidated going, yeah, going in. Yeah, I call in. it, you know, when I go into certain banks, I used to call it, I used to say, oh, I got to put my clown suit on. Mm. And that was the shirt, the tie. You know, I got tired of doing that because mm -hmm. I still was getting turned down, you know. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm getting turned yeah, down true, anyway, right? so yeah. I might as well yeah. be myself. Yeah. It's judging you soon you walk through the door right. when you ask to speak to somebody that's going to give you a loan. Right. You right. know, instead of me keep asking for it, I just start taking it. And then I if you just, have to deal with stereotypes, too, that's... Yeah, I broke the stereotypes in half. You know, I came, I go to the bank like this. That's and great. I, and and I, even if I'm on Wall Street, I go down there like this. And that's just like, they they judge you, but once they see your bank account, they see the knowledge that you have and how you speak it, they kind of open up to you. You know, they, at first, it's like a big shield. Like, no, don't let them in. <laughs> right. We're not giving them anything. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? And it's a shame because they don't think you know what you know, but I've been at... What I've been doing for the last 25 years at least, you know, from the real estate to the music to the entertainment to the management, yeah. you know, I'm always building a product. And, and the other thing, it. too, is, is with real estate, people don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to have, you know, advanced degrees and, and all that in order to get in. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't have to be the smartest person because the catch to being the smartest person, you might know too much. With me... The way I invest, I go get the smartest person, put them right. on my team. Like Andy was saying, she yes. gets the gets the consultants. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and you and, put money behind that. And yeah. does it like yeah. that, Deborah? Were there times? There had to be times over seventeen years where you were just kind of like going, "Why am I doing this? This is like..." Yes. Uh, Plus, you're a mother, right? I'm a mother, and you know, like, I, I, how do you juggle it? Like that had well, to be. My children are ad adults now, so now I'm really focused on hush tours. But you know, when they were coming of age, it was it was kind of tough. Um, but what I was going to say, you know, when you have products and when you have services. As far as business ownership, there is a different approach, you know, because a lot of times people, if there's something tangible that they can hold and they can walk away with, you know, not to say that that's an easier sell, but when you're looking for investments and loans, they can see they it can and see feel it, it and touch it, you know, but when you have a service, you really have to be able to describe it and be speaking to a person who understands what your vision is. And that's not always easy. Um, but since I've been doing Hush Tours, the decision makers that are like what I call the gatekeepers of incoming inbound visitors to New York are getting younger. A lot of them are 
products of hip hop culture, whether they like it or not. They know it. So they know it. So they are given a, a little second glance at, oh, wait a minute, what's going on over here? A hip hop tour that's taking people to Brooklyn and blah, blah, blah. So I see some changes in that area and I'm, I'm happy about it. So you're just seeing continued growth and growth and growth. Yes. But was there a time where you're just like exhausted and yeah, you know, trying to figure to out where up. can I borrow this and do I have enough credit on this card to pay this? And yeah, I wanted to give up a couple of times. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It was difficult because it, it's just like it wears you down sometimes because you you start doubting yourself, right. doubting what you're doing. Crazy. You know that it, it really is is tough. But then when you have a strong team, you understand that. Wait a minute, they're counting on you. They're working with you. They, they believe in that, you. They believe in you. They've right. been down with you from day one. Like how are you gonna just tell them no? I'm closing up shop. Exactly. So and I think yeah, I think so many of us are becoming entrepreneurs because so many doors were closed. Like we exactly. we had a dream. We wanted to work here. We had a dream job, but the door was closed. We were told no, or we were told we weren't good enough. We weren't smart enough. So we decided to make our own lane and create our own. Lanes, and I think that because it's your own product, your own lane, you've been told no so many times, or you've you've failed at so many other things. You're like, you know what? I'm gonna do this my way. I'm gonna walk into the bank how I want to. And I think that's why now the rise. They, they reported that Black and Brown women have had the highest rate of entrepreneurship yes. within the past yes, years, huge. and and huge. becoming millionaires. Is, and that's I think awesome. That's because we weren't paid enough. We right. weren't respected in the workplace. So we were like, you're not gonna respect me. Discriminated you're not against. Pay me not as even much. allowed in the door. You know what I'm gonna do? Right. I'm gonna create my own lane and we've been successful because it's ours right and we own it and that's a huge and important trend yeah. and such an amazing one absolutely and an inspirational one yes it absolutely. really is all right this is street soldiers i'm your host lisa evers we'll be right back hey this is rhapsody and you're listening to street soldiers with lisa evers where we talk about power but also push for peace welcome back to street soldiers i'm your host lisa evers in this episode we're talking about hip-hop business moves and we have an amazing panel joining me is deborah harris she's the ceo and founder of hush hip-hop tours she's originally from the bronx Deborah, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Yandy Smith-Harris. She's an entrepreneur and owner of many businesses, including Yale Skincare. She's also a media mogul and star and one of the original creators of Love and Hip Hop New York. And she's a well-known activist. Yandy, great to have you with Thank us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Danny Sue. He's a CEO of RGF Productions and AMG. He's Fetty Wap's manager, and he's also the owner of AMG real estate. Okay, here's a question from the Team Lisa 20-somethings. What do you tell somebody who's 22, 23, 24? Maybe they came from college, graduated, maybe they didn't. They're trying to, you know, they're doing a bunch of different jobs, which so many of our young people are, trying to get ahead. Yandy, what do you tell them? Well, and I they're started, just like, I can't, you yeah, know. Yeah, I started in the industry at that time. I think I was 21 when I got my first job as an intern um, with a college degree, and I graduated with honors. I was an intern because I felt like this is the job that I want. This is where I need to be. And I looked at my internship as my master's program or grad school. Um, and I think that really staying humble as an intern the first year or so, I didn't get paid. So I had to move out of my apartment. I moved in with my mom. Um, and I felt like this is what I needed to do. This was my stepping stone to that next level. And I was cleaning offices and pushing paperwork, going to get coffee. And that's where, but I was the best Two coffee years. getter. I was straight, the best right? coffee getter. Two I was years. the best. For a year I interned, um, and then I became like an assistant to the assistant. 
Then I finally became <laughs> Mona's assistant, and I was like, "This is the holy grail I've reached." But Mona Scott Young, who at the time Young, was at, yes, at Violator, she was at Violator. Chris Lighty, and, um, may he rest in peace. Yeah. Even as an intern, though, I was working hand in hand with Missy Elliott. I was going on tours. I was visiting countries I never dreamt of being they in. Had so much going on. Yeah, we had yeah. a lot going on. Fifty had just came. We dropped 50s album, so you know that took us on the Get Rich and Die Try Tour. Um, tour. So it was like we had so much happening, and I learned so much. But there were times when I cried. There were times when my girlfriends would fly. They had the coach bags or the Chanel, at that time. They had the Chanel bags. I didn't have that. I had my regular Jansport book bag. Or, you know, right. I was wearing the same jeans. I can't, to this day, I cannot eat chicken wings and french fries from the Chinese restaurant. Because that is what I had every single day. But that was my life. That's what I could right. afford. That that's what you, you did what you, yeah. did what you right. had to do. Exactly. Right. So now, you know, I can run circles, you know, around the Chanel store. Right. But it, it took time. And it took... It Hashtag took me goals. <laughs> right. You know, but that's, that's, that's what I needed to do in order to be great later. I had to take the notes from Mona. I had to take the notes from Chris Lighty, God bless the dead. I had to really, you know, and I, and I didn't leave. Work hours was from 10 to 7. I never left at 7. I left at 11. I left at 12 because I just wanted to soak up everything that I could while I can. I didn't have any babies. I didn't have, you know, my mom didn't give me a curfew to be home. So that was my, that was my job. That was my school. That was everything for me to sit there and learn all that I can. So you would say to them, put yourself in a situation don't even though you need money to, to be humble, to survive, but be humble, right, be eat, humble. Eat That's humbly, a big thing, right? Dress humbly. Drive a humble car, not a car that needs eighty dollars to fill up the tank. Drive a car that's twenty dollars to fill up that's the tank. Right, right. That's right. You know, or, or take the train and stay yeah. dedicated. And stay that's dedicated. And cry if you have to. I went in the bathroom and cried many days because I was like, I don't want to eat chicken no more. <laughs> um, so you know. So the, so that was is. that was it. Deborah, what about the being for for somebody starting out like that? Yeah, well, I think like for young people, it's probably a little more challenging now with um, social media. So it could easily be misinterpreted. Like people are really really successful when they're probably struggling just as mm -hmm. much as you are, maybe more. Um, but I think, you know, learning about business and just trying to figure out what it is that you want to do can be a start and dedicate your time, find a place to intern. Like my interns that I start have, a lot of them went on to start their own businesses and still continue to work with Hush Tours because I do push that. Wow. DBAs, you know, start off with a DBA. Then get your what's, your what's a DBA? Uh, doing business as. You just register your business name at the county, wherever you live, Manhattan, Queens, or whatever, and you just choose a name, make sure that name is not taken, and then try to just build that, and then eventually you can incorporate it if you find that this is something that you want to grow. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so it basically... Has limited, it has limited... Like, like you won't be held... Um, personally liable in your business, but it's if there's not a business debts or business things, right, exactly. I got you. So and you it's can like open a, up a bank account in your business name, you know, instead of having. So it's more professional. It's more yeah. professional. Yes. And that and that's kind of like one of the one of the first steps. Yes. Danny, what about the dedication? That's the biggest thing. You got to stay dedicated. You're gonna get a lot of no's, maybe so's. I'm not with it. You're gonna get a lot of that. You're gonna be in this fight by yourself. You know, as long as you train yourself to be. Dedicated and consistent, consistency gonna pay off at the end no matter what. You know, as long as you keep putting that brand across across to anybody and everybody that you see and meet. Now I guess you have a lot of artists, aspiring artists, that come up to you. Yeah. I'm not even in the music industry. <laughs> but because I'm on hot ninety seven and people yeah, yeah, we have people, aspiring right? artists coming to streets. Trying to get uh, to have us put them on, but the uh, it's really because of DJ Mike Medium here. But the um, 
in ter in terms of when you look at them, can you look at can you look at them after you get to know them a little bit and say, you know what, this one's got it. Forget the music part, but just in terms of the way they approach their business, the way they approach their career, the way they approach their, you know, they're just day to day. Can you look at them and go, this one's got it, this one doesn't have it? Yeah, most of the time I can look at it, but I don't pass judgment because anybody can make it. The key to me, the key to what I see is like, normally the hottest person in the town never get on because sometimes their ego go up too high. So when you talk to them, they don't want to hear it. You know, the, but where I come from, the hardest working person, the people that stayed together, even when they was probably, I'm gonna say the old were corny back then, mm -hmm. right. they become popular from their work ethic mm -hmm. and people begin to respect them. You know, so that's, that's what I do. I look at people who have dedication and do it from their heart. Like when we did it, we, we more like, this is all we're gonna do, we gotta do this. You know what I mean? We got to. It's no you way. You had no other choice. Yeah. It was like, well, it's yeah, got to work. I wasn't we giving make it. anybody no other choice. I right. asked my team, like, listen, it's going to get bumpy. I just need to know that you're ready to ride mm -hmm. and walk and crawl. You know, beg too. You're going to have to do all that. I'm going to put my pride aside because this is like my third time around in the music industry. So I, I was already a self-made man on right. business and everything. You know, so I had to drop all the way back down and get in the grind of things to show them how to really do it. And then start from the, start from the beginning. Start from yeah, the Yandy, beginning. what about the, what about the humble point? And, and also what Deborah was saying about how people too, it's like they're growing up, they're growing up saturated with all these images from social media mm -hmm. and these fake, fake images of wealth. Yeah. Do you feel that there's a big shortage of humility around now for people that say, oh, I'm too good to be doing that? Absolutely. I think that sometimes you just have to tune it out. You know, you have to shut it down. I don't follow very many people on social media, not because I'm not interested in what people have going on, but just because I know that I'll be influenced by what I see. And I'm not strong enough to see everybody living their best life while I'm, a, you know, right now a struggling single mom, working every day, having mommy guilt, getting up early in the morning, going to bed late at night, getting enough, not getting enough sleep, bags in my eyes. Well, everybody was looking good. You know, they got great bodies. And I'm like, I can't. So people like that. Yeah, anybody, it doesn't you do. I mean, you do. Come it on. doesn't inspire me when I <laughs> no, see everyone saying. living this amazing life. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the struggle. Right. I'm in the grit of the grind. I got to right. work every day. I got to go hard. We were in MDC. You were yeah. Right there, you were right there yeah, when the uh, you know, when, this when is the inmates had no had no heat during the winter. Sleeping outside, right. yeah, wow. exactly. February, so yeah. it's just like that doesn't inspire me to see these fake stories. So what I do is I either I follow only friends, and then I just tune it out. I tune it out so that I can stay humble and know any given moment. In the blink of an eye, this can be taken from me. I have got to work hard, and I've got to teach my children to work hard as well, and not be blinded by what looks so good. Right. Well, let's talk about marketing, too, because that's one of the some, yeah. some marketing tips for people. Whatever business you're in, okay. you have to have marketing. Deborah, how did you what was the best way you found to get the word out? Well, press really helped us. Um, we had an article written in the New York Times. I think it was like 2006. Wow. It was like the middle center entry and story. And it, it was so like 06. That's so major. Like people were still reading that's papers so and buying papers. Wow. And, you know, things like that. So that, that really helped because, it, you know, some people just believe everything at that time that the New York Times was putting out there. <laughs> right. Um, it has right, changed right. over the years, I guess. Um, so that helped. Um, you know, but I don't really advertise. I can't afford it. New York City is so competitive when it comes to tourism and entertainment between Broadway, 
they're not my direct competitors, but they are competitors. Right. And a double-decker bus company. So, yeah. you know, I just have to, like I said, customer service is really where I put all my energy. And, and that's mm, where you put, put yeah. your marketing. Yeah. Danny, what about the, what about marketing for, for artists, too? Have, have you seen any changes with that? No, I don't see too many changes. It's a, it's what? A wide you still lane. hanging up poster boards? <laughs> yeah. You, no, you no, ain't no. hanging up poster boards. <laughs> Come on, no, you know that. Three TV change. Right. I got, I got the artist out of Staten Island, right? I just ordered some poster boards. Did you? Nobody does it. It's illegal. That's so true. Yeah, <laughs> nobody does it. <laughs> be, who put these poster boards up? Right. You know what I mean? Like, no, everybody is it's on true. a social nobody media. It's digital, right. Social media is burnt right now. You can't do it. It's not going to pop off that more. But they're going to get ripped down, no? Yeah, they're going to get ripped down, but the catch to it... And I'm going to get this to y'all. Yeah, All right. Come on, give it to, it to us, Jim. The catch to it is when them kids come out of school and they walk into their buses or they walk into their house and they see, who is that? Mm -hmm. I, I, and they go on their phone or the map because they're already on their phone. Every kid you see, you almost hit kids crossing the street. I see my kid taking notes on this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Street so, soldier posters coming to a school. Right, 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 right. Coming it. to a block near you. you. And they'll know right to. where to come looking for me. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> not, that's our key, to, that's our key though. Because it's that's, different thing. What's like different? Like she said, you, you can't compete with New York and trying to advertise. Your it best costs thing, you a fortune. Yeah, your best thing to do is see who comes from other states to New York. Mm -hmm. And go to them states and market right. them. You know what I mean? Right. And market Absolutely. there. Yeah, market uh, there. All right, Yandy. What about marketing? Because your your personality too. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a, a very well known, very famous media personality, mm -hmm. as well as doing all of these other things. Does the fact that you're so well known in the media help you with things, or do people just um, get distracted? I think there are many well known people that have brands that they need to market. I think again, finding your niche and then just doing something different. You know, for. The hairline, it was us having African textures and calling them African texture names. And then for the skincare line, it's been the you know me, I'm dancing in the mirror in my bathroom, and I'm going to show you my gray skin. And then anyone that comes to my house is doing that as well. For my lifestyle brand, EGL Put, you know, we do a bunch of events, and, and it's it's very family, very, you know, women-oriented. So that that is who we are and i think marketing for us has been just finding what our niche is finding who our core demographic is sticking to that and learning how to market directly to them and what what advice do you have for women you know because you really do do it all i mean and, and you're you you're out there on the front lines in the community with these with these big issues you know how do you do that being a mom being a single mom the businesses and being a personality where you know you have mm -hmm. to look a certain way every time you're out because yeah. people want to take pictures with you and then just keeping everything going. Um, I think for me, a lot of things overlap. So like when I was out there marching um, and fighting for the rights of these inmates, I had my daughter with me. Um, a lot of the times I want my children, I'll, I'll take even, I have my big daughter, but I take the two little ones because I want them to see this is important for you and mommy's going to fight for you. Right. Wow. Um, and we have those kind of conversations. And then also last night we were up late. I got Essence Festival coming up for the skincare line. We got invited. So we were up. Ooh, we, I know, I'm excited about right. that. So we were up like um, packing bottles, packing boxes, um, getting our, our um, backdrops together. And I had the little kids helping. I had my big daughter helping me so that they understand this is the business that hopefully retires mommy and this is the business that I'm going to pass on to you. And so putting the work now. Y'all better be shooting with me in the gym now. <laughs> so start filling those I ain't giving y'all no money. <laughs> start no, filling shop. those boxes. Stop filling those boxes start filling now boxes for Essence. Start sealing everything. Exactly. All right, well, that's great advice. <laughs> I want to thank all of you for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Deborah Harris, great to have you on the show. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so Lisa. much. Yandy, great to have you with thank us. You. Yandy Smith Harris, thank you so much. And Danny Sue, great to have you with us on Thanks Street Soldiers. Me, thank you. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace.